It's Primary Care Today on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Brian McDonough. My guest, Dr. Ken Yeager, Associate Professor of the Department of Psychiatry, the David E. Schuler Professor of Compassionate Care, talking about travel safety during the holidays and throughout the year. You know, when we talk about the future and what's going on, I don't think it's just a holiday thing anymore. It's probably a lifetime thing for us worrying about the world safety, whether it's ISIS or Al-Qaeda, whether it's the fact that we're going through different lines at the airport. There is a lot of stress and a lot of things our patients deal with. Is it something we should be bringing up in the office with our patients? Well, I think certainly when you're thinking about the, the presenting problems that folks bring to us, the question becomes, at least in my mind's eye, is to what degree is stress contributing to this? To, you know, to what degree are people being impacted by their use of technology? There was a day when we were not bombarded by images 24 hours a day, seven days a week, like we are now. There was a time that we could unplug, um, but we don't unplug so much. And, you know, it wasn't that long ago I had a I had a patient who was saying that, you know what, I'm not sleeping well at night. And the questions kind of got around to, well, you know, when do you check your emails? Oh, I always check my emails just before bed. But yet you just said to me, you wake up in the middle of the night and your mind starts racing on a to-do list. Maybe if you don't check your emails, you know, right before you go to bed, maybe if you check them like an hour before and you think through that, you won't wake up in the middle of the night. And um, I'm happy to say in our next visit that we were better at sleeping. You know, Dr. Yeager, you bring up a really great point. I noticed it first. I always use the example. I do a lot of work with medicine and the media and those things. I noticed it really, uh, obviously, that horrible day of September 11th because that was the first time I remember uh, in our homes, uh, even my, my children who were very young then, watching on a pretty big television screen, maybe not as big as they are now, but a pretty big screen, immediate shots and seeing something as if it was in their neighborhood. And through the course of their lifetime and and ours, we're now seeing more and more images of things that might happen a world away. But whether it's a child being abducted or whether it's someone on head being sliced off or whatever, Mm -hmm. it seems like it's in our neighborhood. It really does. And you know what? It It is different when it's scenes from, uh, you know, whether it's a scene from a nightclub in Paris, whether it's a terrorist attack in another part of the world or an assault on an individual. The fact of the matter is it's not a 59-minute television show where you can say, okay, that was really violent, but I know that's acting. This is This is the real thing that we're seeing on television. And I think it impacts the very young. And I think it also impacts the elderly when they are looking at that, beginning to worry about the safety of the world, beginning to worry about the safety of their families. I think it's a big deal that um, we really need to start talking to people about and and suggesting that if it is troublesome to them, if it is bothering them, that maybe we limit the amount of news shows that we watch. A lot of family physicians um, are in the position now where we're dealing with these patients. Is it something we should be bringing up? periodically in our, you know, doctor-patient visits. We're so limited with the amount of time we have. Or do you wait for people to bring it up? You know, I think if if you ask some basic questions about how is your sleep, how are you doing with anxiety, how are you doing with depression, a PHQ-9, something to get a feel for that, might be a way to, to head off some of these issues. I, I hesitate to say that we screen everyone for everything because you simply don't have time to in a 15, 20-minute visit. But the reality of it is I think the 
issues that we're facing with anxiety, that we're facing with depression these days, have some environmental factors that are pretty quick rule outs. You have made um, several suggestions, I know, that are trying to guide people through this. I thought they were pretty good. You were talking about people who might want to travel, and they're thinking about travel, and they're worried. And you have a couple points that I want to ask you to expound. But you, to, to summarize them, you talk about not overestimating risk, realizing you're not alone, thinking positively, talking it out, making arrangements early, and staying connected. Those types of points, tell me why they make a big difference and out of them what you see are the most important and why they're things we should be talking to our patients about. Yeah, I think the idea is putting some of the responsibility for the management of anxiety into a patient's hand gives them the opportunity to have some semblance of control over the situation that they're going into. Granted, they can't control the takeoff sequence, they can't control the landing sequence, but there are parts of this that they can control, that they are responsible to control. And I think that is a major control um, when it comes to managing anxiety in the general population. I also think that um, you know individual responsibility for thinking these things through goes a long way in helping folks to assume a level of self-responsibility which facilitates them going through this process and having a better understanding of what they're doing rather than just kind of going off and saying, well, we're going to see where the adventure takes us. That's really not such a great plan in this day and age. It might have been 20 years ago, but in this day and age, we really have a lot more complicated world with many, many more complex issues that should be considered and should be well thought out in advance. You talk about, you know, I guess I would, about lack of a better term, 24-hour cable news. I, I mean, again, working in the media world, I've seen, we're, you know, we're trying to get ratings, trying to be exciting, trying to get viewers. You now have hundreds of stations grabbing for what they can, and it seems like news has changed. Uh, mm-hmm. there, there's some real dramatic, I mean, forget the whole idea of politics, Republican versus Democrat and different networks doing that. But when something happens anywhere, it seems almost like it's dramatized and it's made so dramatic that sometimes I wonder if it causes people to act out because they're seeing it. Um, and you can talk about concerns. I, I know this summer in Baltimore, there were concerns and there certainly were great reasons for concern, but people watched it, they got fired up and then it even led to more issues, it seems. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your take on that? I think what people do is they they take a lot of cues from television that maybe they did not take before. And when we see people becoming agitated, when we see people um, acting out, when we see people becoming increasingly aggressive, there are some people in the world that this does tend to inspire to take actions that maybe they would not otherwise take. Um, So far as the anxiety-provoking aspects, it's not just the violence that we see. It is the weather channel, you know, when your local news breaks into the evening show and there's a storm warning and they're showing the live Doppler radar every seven seconds and warning you that there are, you know, severe storms coming. It is pretty amazing the amount of anxiety that can cause in individuals who maybe have limited mobility or may be very young and are, you know, quite afraid of storms anyway. Um, so I think the whole idea of ratings and how do we get the viewer to our channel is a very big issue, and I don't know 
that we really have a good handle on how to manage the sensationalization of what television is becoming. You're listening to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. If you're just tuning in, I'm your host, Dr. Brian McDonough. My guest is Dr. Ken Yeager, Associate Professor of the Department of Psychiatry. Certainly social media now is playing a greater role as well for tension. Talk a little bit about that. Well, I think social media is, is, a, is a vehicle that we have to remember one important thing, and that is everybody is posting their very best on social media. Now, I'm not going to say everybody goes out and puts everything that's beautiful and rosy and wonderful on social media, but I think by and large that's what you're seeing. And there are a lot of individuals who maybe are prone to depression or maybe are not feeling so good about where they are or maybe they're having a difficult time in their life, and they begin to judge where they are based on how others appear to be when you look at their social media pages. And I, I think the individual, based on what they know about themselves, their deepest, darkest concerns, worries, fears, and they compare that against how another person looks on the surface, you know what, you're never gonna win in that kind of a circumstance. So I think social media is um, difficult for folks to manage at that point. And I certainly do worry about the young folks and the cyberbullying and the aspects from, you know, when I was in school, it happened on the schoolyard. It happened maybe after school and activities, but it was over when you went home. And for the young people today, it does not end. The, the contact is around the clock, and it's very, very hard to get away from that. And I think that is a major issue for parents to be taking on when dealing with, you know, young children and high school children and how we are managing their use of social media. You do bring up a really great point. I mean, all of us, I'm sure, we all had our own struggles at different times during growing up and going to school, but you felt like your home was a safe haven by and large. You could go there, shut the door, and you're with your family, and you're safe. And for most of us, certainly if there were issues, that made it better. But you're right. Um, with social media, you just turn on the computer and someone might be insulting you or lashing out at you or bringing up something that happened during the day. And in a limited world, especially when you're young, you think the whole world's watching that. Mm-hmm. You know, and when you deal with people, and we deal with patients like that, again, uh, these things you bring up, do you do open-ended questions? How do you deal with it? Because I'm sure you, you have these issues a lot. Well, I think it's, it's very important to try to get a sense of how much time is spent online, what is the content of what's being seen online, um, you know, does the individual appear to be in a situation where they're maybe being taunted or bullied or... Whatever the case may be, um, folks don't tend to, at least where I am, um, openly admit to this initially. I think there is a, a reservation about sharing what's going on in the area of being bullied or how they feel about web pages. But I think it is a good thing to ask, at least the simple question of how much time do you spend online? How much time do you spend on social media? And what's your experience with it? And how have you been feeling about that? I think you make another good point, and that is for those of us who are a bit older, that we tend to see other families when they're going on trips or ideal pictures of their children or you know, graduating from a great college or blah, 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 blah. That does seem what's being posted. And if you're home, 
you tend to say, gee, I'm home. My life's not that exciting. Look at this. And that can be a constant slap in the face as well. Oh, it is a very subtle slap in the face that you begin to compare, gosh, look at what they're doing. And, well, I wonder why I'm not getting that far. I wonder why I don't have that opportunity or I wonder why I can't afford to travel the way that so-and-so is. It's very subtle and it's a very, very constant reminder that weighs on people and has the opportunity to bring about a very subtle but impactful, maybe mild to moderate symptoms of depression. Again, in in dealing with that, is your recommendation to try and limit? Because I know a lot of people will spend a lot of time on, whether it's Facebook or Twitter or different, they, they spend a lot of time on this social media. I think limiting it to a few minutes, 20, 30 minutes a day, you know, is is a great goal, maybe a little bit more depending upon what the individual's patterns are. But I think it's really important for folks to engage in activities that engage the mind, writing, painting, woodcrafts, you know, woodworking, things of that nature, so that it keeps the skill set going, the hand-eye coordination going. It keeps the brain going, doing crossword puzzles, doing all of the things to keep you active and keep you moving forward. You know, I, I, I am totally amazed how many people watch, you know, television shows about restoring a car or a house, and they would sit back and say, man, I would really love to do that. Well, okay, you got a Home Depot or a Lowe's in your town, go take on a project and make something happen instead of just watching the TV and living vicariously through those shows. Boy, I think you're making some great tips, and I think these are things that are real-world problems that I know as a psychiatrist you probably you deal with, but many people don't realize how pervasive it is. I mean, something as simple as we we're talking about traveling, the stress associated with it, or you know, the, the problems facing kids, or the stress of uh, Facebook and social media. These are all things that are relatively 10, 15 years, and no more than that. They're, they're all new, new issues. Right, right. We're dealing with stuff that is new. And is challenging and is a moving target. Dr. Ken Yeager, we're running out of time, but I wanted to ask you, is there anything we didn't talk about in the last minute or so that you thought was important we should bring up? Well, I think in all of this is that um, remembering to take care of yourself, getting, getting to sleep, getting away from your blue screens, your iPhones, your, you know, your tablets, whatever they are, getting away from your computer screen is a very important thing to, to maintaining good health and sleep, getting the right amount of exercise. So instead of sitting on the couch watching the shows or, or reading your Facebook page, get out there and take a walk in the evening. You know, the things that we used to say are pretty much things that people do every day. We're changing in a different way to where we are becoming more sedentary as we watch the television. So being active, getting the right sleep, getting the right food into your system are still the basics for maintaining good health. Dr. Ken Yeager, we've run out of time. I want to thank you for joining and sharing your insights on primary care today. Thanks, Brian. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. This is Dr. Brian McDonough. If you missed part of this discussion, please visit reachmd.com slash today. You can download the podcast. You can learn more on this series. Thank you for listening.